Hello, Sawbona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate just, yeah. It's wonderful to be appreciated. So thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. So this morning I'm preaching and I am so excited. I must tell you, I'm, I'm so thrilled to be preaching today. I don't know why. I've been excited since I found out that I'm preaching uh, on my birthday. I was like, yes. Um, and also... <laughs> When I was, I think also when I was um, just preparing this message, it was, it was such fun for me because, um, you know, when, when God does things differently, how I got this message was actually such a beautiful experience for me. So anyway, before I get, I get carried away, shall we pray? <laughs> Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name. We thank you that we have the privilege of looking into our constitution and seeing our rights and also seeing our responsibilities. We thank you, Father, that you are our God. We thank you that your word is powerful, that your word brings transformation, that your word brings freedom. So we look forward to seeing these things happen in our lives and in the lives of other people. So we give you praise today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Yes. So anyway, in the last few weeks, what series have we been doing? Yeah, so sometimes I go into teacher mode, guys. Sorry. (laughs) So what did we do last week? But anyway, so we've been doing the soul care series and... Um, speaking for myself, this has been one of those transformative series. It came at the right time and it brought the right stuff that I needed to hear. So I'm really grateful for this series. So what I'm going to do, seeing that I introduced the series, I might as well conclude it, right? So that's what we're doing today. We're concluding the Soul Care series. And, um, And when we started, we spoke about the fact that when we're looking at the soul, when we're talking about the soul, we are talking about our inner world. So that part of us that thinks, that feels, that decides, and, you know, that uh, complicated part, that complex part of who we are as human beings. And um, we identified that we have two enemies to that part of us. And uh, these two enemies, if you remember, we said busyness and distraction. We said busyness and and distraction are the things that are disturbing us um, in this day. And they cause us not to pay attention to this part that is on the inside of us that is so important. And what happens with these two things is that they bring us to the to the edge, you know, the edge of a, of a very high cliff that is quite dangerous. And if we don't pay attention, then we can find ourselves in really desperate situations, not only ourselves, but also the children that are coming after us. So it is crucial for us to thrive. It is crucial for us to thrive in our souls. It's crucial for us to, to ensure that our souls are in a healthy place because that's what God wants for us. He wants us to thrive, okay? So I am going to read um, um, Third John chapter, before we go there. I just want to read a quote. We read it in, in the first uh, uh, sermon of this series, but George Muella, it's very long, so I've shortened it. I've taken... Uh, the parts that um, I think are important. It says, according to my judgment, the most important point to be attended to is this. Above all things, to see to it that your souls are happy in the Lord. Other things may press upon you. The Lord's work may even have urgent claims upon your attention. But I deliberately repeat It is of supreme and paramount importance that you should seek above all things to have your souls truly happy in God himself. Day by day, seek to make things the most important business of your life. The secret of all true effectual service is joy in God, having acquaintance and fellowship with God himself. 
So this is such a powerful quote, and we've seen in the in the uh, the sermons that have been preached that sometimes we try and find joy, we try and find fulfillment in places that actually end up, um, you know, causing chaos in our lives. We try and find fulfillment in places that bind us and cause us to be slaves rather than victorious as God wants us to be. Third John chapter one verse two says, "Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your souls prosper." So this is the desire of God that our souls would prosper, and if our inner life is in a good place, then that spills out into the other places. Like in in Psalm chapter twenty three. He says, my cup overflows. So when we live in overflowing lives in our souls, then what happens is that it spills over into the physical. It spills over into our relationships, etc. So the sermons that we had in this series, we started off with looking at exhaustion, where Langa took that, and we, he spoke about how we get tired and weary. I can still remember that whole list of things that we do in the day and how that just it can be so exhausting. He spoke about that and that we need to remember that we are not God. And because we are not God, we need to go to God because he neither gets tired or gets weary. He does not sleep. He does not slumber. So he encouraged us to go back to God and to find our place of rest in God. And then the second sermon uh, was preached by Pastor Wayne, and he preached this so powerfully. And there's a quote from there that I really, that really spoke to me. He said that we who were created for mastery are at risk of being mastered. So the addictions that we allow in our lives have caused us to be slaves when we are supposed to be kings. So distractions that keep, these are distractions that keep us from living purposeful, full lives. I like the illustration of the barnacles. I, I, I still see that in my head, those things that get attached to the bottom of the boat. And that, um, and that you know, the boat moves, it carries on. But these things, they become bigger and stronger and more and more attached to such a place that one day that, that boat can be overturned by the smallest wind. So it is in our lives as well if we allow these addictions. So there was such a great sermon followed by perfectly by Anhedonia which is, uh, I, I like this word because it's just so strange, but it looks like a great word. But then it speaks about the inability to experience pleasure from enjoyable things. So Pastor Trish preached this one in such a powerful way, just opening our eyes to the fact that we are being lulled to sleep. We are being caused to not enjoy even God himself because we have allowed these things to come in and to, to you know, to give us these huge dopamine, dopamine uh, injections such that, anyway, it does all those complicated things in our brains, which I'm not going to go into. But the point is that this is a scourge that we are suffering from as the world. The whole, globally, we are suffering from this and we need freedom. And thank God that there is freedom in him and he gives us the tools to find freedom, which we found out more about when Trisha then spoke about re recovery in the sermon that followed. And um, here there's another thing that she said that um, actually stopped me cold, which was, um, there is an answer, there are steps that can be taken to recovery. But then she said, solutions are not the problem. Implementation and consistency are the problems. Solutions are not the problem. The solutions are there. But it is about how willing we are to implement the things that we need to implement and how consistent we are about them. Because when we started this series, we said it's about the things that we need to do consistently for our souls to thrive. And then, of course, just with this, I just wanted to also let you know that we have a detox group that is meeting on Sundays, is it every, every Sunday after church, and it's going so well so far, where people have brought their addictions before God, where they're walking together, you know, and it's, it's a number of addictions. So if you would still like to join the group, you're more than welcome to join them after the service. And it can be addictions of any sort. I mean, if you're addicted to meat, so you can uh, join that group as well. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to say that it can be addictions of any sort, you know. So whatever you're addicted to, please feel free to join this group. And God has freedom for each and every one of us. 
And then the next uh, sermon I loved so much because what Travis said is that we've been looking at things that we need to move away from, that we need to free ourselves from. So then he spent time looking at something that we need to draw to, a thing that we need to do, you know, that we need to ensure that we have in our lives. And he spoke about us following Christ. He looked at Psalm 23 um, and what stood out for me is that David said in this first verse, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then Trevor said that we want, we are constantly wanting, constantly feeling that we are in need of something. But then he said, the reason why we can say this is when we do come close to the shepherd and then we understand that when he is close, he is with us and we can be at rest. When we know that he's with us, we can be at rest, even if we know that there are things that we need because he will take care of them. So we may not see or know the answer, but as long as we know that he is here, there's no need to worry. And so today um, we are closing our series uh, and we're looking at our emotions, okay? We're looking at our emotions today and our sermon is Mastering Our Emotional World. Um, and you may ask, why are we going into emotions? You know, there are people who just don't want to look at emotions. Why emotions of all things? But the reason why, um, you know, this was laid on my heart is because emotions are God-given. God has given us our emotions. Emotions are not a bad guy because a lot of times we look at our emotions and we think um, they are horrible things. And emotions are there as signposts. They are signals that God gives to us, that God has given to us, so that we can know when something needs to be dealt with. So when something needs attention, you'll find that you have an emotion about that thing. And um, what I want to stress here is that no emotion is necessarily bad. There are no negative emotions. There are no bad emotions. Because every emotion has a function. Every emotion is there so that it can cause us to take a particular action. That's why it's there. So emotions are not a burden. They're not something that we need to get rid of, but I believe that emotions are a gift from God that God has given to us. And it may be difficult to comprehend this considering that some emotions are so difficult to deal with. Some emotions are just, you know, you, you wish you could just throw them away. I mean, they're extremely uncomfortable. Who wants to be sad? <laughs> you know, who wants to be sad? Who wants to be lonely? Who wants to be angry? Well, some people feel they need to be angry because anger fuels them to, but really, none of us really want those so-called negative emotions, those emotions, you know, but the reality is that they're a gift. Because they force us to act and address the situation or circumstance that is leading us to feel in that way. For an example, loneliness reminds us that we need people, that we were not meant to live as an island that we need people around us, that we need God and we need people. Otherwise, if we didn't become lonely, we would be tempted to believe that we are okay as islands, that we are meant to live just by ourselves. And, you know, so we're not meant to live in isolation. And when you get angry, when you see an injustice being done, it helps you to do something about the situation. So it brings out that empathy and it propels you to actually... It propels you to do something about what you see. It causes you to get up and do something when you become angry about something. I love how the Bible says that be angry but sin not. So in other words, God is giving us permission. He says, no, if you're angry, that's okay. But make sure that you don't sin. Use it in the right way. So, um, so, you know, I also find it quite interesting that in the Bible, when God speaks about himself, when he introduced himself to Moses, he introduced himself in emotive language. I don't know if you noticed, but, um, okay, I should have actually put the verse here, but I didn't. But um, we'll see later on some of the emotions that we see in God. But God, um, you know, he expresses all sorts of emotions. And you see anger, indignation, joy, jealousy. These are emotive words that to us it may feel uncomfortable to think of God as having emotions, but he does have emotions and he acts on those emotions. 
God loved us, so he sent his son. So his emotions cause him to do something. That, so we are like him, all right? And, um, and also perhaps we become uncomfortable with thinking of God as having emotions because when we, fe- when we feel negative emotions, we act in line with the sin nature sometimes. So we follow the way that is not godly. So perhaps we think of that. So when we think about God having emotions, we think of it in the context of who we are or in the context of how we've seen uh, emotions being expressed. So, and not only do we see God having emotions, but also we see specific individuals in the Bible, lots of people in the Bible having emotions and also having the emotions that we, we look at as negative emotions. So today I just want to take you on a little bit of a, of a journey. And um, I'm going to tell you a story because if we were to read the whole book, because it spans a whole book, it's only four chapters, but um, it would take too long. But I'd like us to look at a man called Jonah uh, that I think every little child who's ever been to Sunday school, uh, family ministry, knows about Jonah and the big fish. And I think that's all they know about. They know that there was this big fish and there was this man who was in the, in the stomach of the fish for three days. But now... This is a man who had what I would call indignation. And indignation is anger that is aroused by something unjust, something unfair. You become angry because you think something is unfair. And now Jonah is in this situation because in verse 1 of Jonah chapter 1, God gives Jonah a message that he tells him to take to a certain um, people in Nineveh. So he gives him a message. He tells them basically that I'm going to destroy the city unless you go and you preach to them so that, they turn, so that they turn away from their ways. And do you know what's interesting? Jonah gets on a boat and he goes in the opposite direction of where God has sent him because he's angry. He's furious. How can God do this? He goes in the opposite direction of where God has sent him to go. Because he just does not want to do it. How dare you, God? How dare you want to forgive these people? And we have to, um, you know, understand where Jonah was coming from. When I did a bit of reading about Nineveh, I found out that these were really horrible people. They were a people that were, so you, you could equate them to maybe the Nazis. You know, people who did some serious atrocities at that time. And Jonah had a right to, you could say he had a right to be angry because these were the enemies of of the people of God as well. But God gave him the instruction to go and preach to them. So he runs in the opposite direction. Now, what I find quite interesting is that he goes into this boat and he... He goes in there and then things start happening because God sends this wind because this guy is going in the opposite direction to which he was supposed to go. So he he sends a wind and there's this huge wind and the people are panicking there. And do you know what? He did a Jesus on them because he went and slept in the boat that is rocking. I mean, this boat is, and he is sleeping peacefully. But you see, sometimes what happens is that when we allow our emotions and we don't deal with them, when we allow them to just have free reign in our lives, what happens is that we put other people in danger. So we put ourselves and we put other people in danger. We drag people along with them and we say we're fine. Do you know those people? So I am fine. I'm fine. In the meantime, you are chewing people off. In the meantime, you are just you are just this wind that is flowing everywhere and you're bringing destruction wherever you go. In the meantime, you're not able to show grace to people because you are angry, you are furious. You are just in this, in this emotion and it's just ruling in your life. Yet you think you're fine, you're sleeping, you're not aware of the disaster that you're causing to other people because of that emotion that you have not taken to God, who you need to have taken to. So now here's Jonah. He's in here, and then, okay, long story short, they eventually, he tells him, okay, throw me over. It's okay. Just throw me over because I'm the one who's causing this. So then they throw him over, and then there's this big fish waiting for him. We don't know whether it's a whale or not, but, you know. So there's this big big fish, and he goes into the fish, and he's there for three days. And then he speaks to God and he brings his emotions to God. He talks to him. And then eventually God turns the fish around and takes him back to where he's supposed to be. So he goes there. 
And then as soon as he comes out out of the fish, God gives him that instruction again. Go to Nineveh and tell them what I'm telling you to tell them. So I can imagine Jonah just, you know, marching into Nineveh. He's angry, but he has to do this thing. And he does what God tells him to do. Right. So he goes and he preaches. He goes through the city and he preaches. And then the people of the city repent. They, 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 they fast and they pray. And then let's go to Jonah chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. I think it will appear on the screen. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I, w- I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tashish. I knew that if you, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. <laughs> but the Lord replied, "Is it right for you to be angry?" <laughs> Is it right for you to be angry? Like I said, God is God who has certain emotions. You see, he's gracious, he's compassionate, he's slow to anger, he's abounding in love. And in all of this, this just makes Jonah angry. Because how can you be like this to those people? It's fine for you to be like this to me and my people. But how dare you become like this to them? Look at what they are. Look at the things that they've done. But that's what God chose to do because that's who he is. He is full of grace and mercy and love. But God asked Jonah a simple question. Is it right for you to be angry? If you look at Jonah chapter 4, Jonah, I think, is asked this question four times. Is it right for you to be angry? And at the end of the chapter, he says to Jonah, is basically, he says, is it okay for me to not care that 130,000 people are going to die? So that's God. But what I like about this is that um, God gets in there and talks to Jonah about where Jonah is at. So yes, he sent him to do a job and God didn't just say, okay, fine, now that you've done the job, whatever. But he still goes to Jonah and deals with the anger that Jonah has. And he speaks to him about it, you know, and he asks him whether it's right to be angry because he wants to deal with that emotion so that it is, then he processes it and he moves out of it. He moves into a healthier place because the thing with some emotions is that if you leave them, what they begin to do is they, they fester on the inside of you. And there's a lot of research that has been done that has proved that if you allow certain emotions to live in you and to fester, they cause bitterness. For example, if you, if you are unable to forgive, so if you are angry and that causes, um, you know, um, unforgiveness in you, it creates bitterness. And eventually, it can lead to cancer. This has been done. Research has been done. And you can see that. So there are some emotions that if you leave them, they cause certain types of illness, certain types of sickness. If you'd like to have this information, I'll give it to you later. So anyway, so what are we to do now? So I gave an example of Jonah who ran away. But what are we to do as God's children? Because we do have emotions and emotions are real and we're supposed to have them. But what do I do with these emotions? So the first thing that I will tell you, which is the first thing that we are supposed to do, is we are to get in God's presence. There's, you know, I can tell you, there is, we cannot stay healthy spiritually. We cannot stay healthy in our souls if we do not do this. We have got to get in God's presence. And this is something that we need to do daily. I know sometimes we skip. Sometimes maybe you, you, you're like, no, I'll, I'll listen to this preach. I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. All of those things are great, but they cannot replace your time with God. They can't. They cannot replace you sitting in the presence of the Lord and speaking to him. You know, when our emotions need tending, the Holy Spirit is the best person to go to. God is the best, best place to go. Yes, friends are important and there is a place for them. 
But God is the first place we are to go. He's the best one to deal, and he, to deal with and heal our brokenness. And you know, um, the thing is that he is our healer. He heals every part of us, including the emotions that we have to deal with. And why I'm saying we need to do this daily, because we are living in a broken world. And in this broken world, things happen all the time that impact on us, that affect us. And if we don't deal with this every day, then we end up walking around carrying burdens that are unnecessary for us to carry. These are emotions that are meant to show us that we need to do something. And one of the things we need to do is to draw close to God. So I would like us to go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And um, in this verse, the Bible says, And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So the earth was without form. It was void. And there was darkness upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of, uh, upon the, face of the waters. Now I find this very interesting that when it looked chaotic... When the world had no form and it was dark and it was messy, God was right there. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit was moving over the place. He was moving. God hovered over the deep. He covered and moved upon the deep darkness. Remember, the light had not been created yet. So the Holy Spirit was there in that dark earth. He was right there and he moved upon it. Because he was getting ready to release his power. The creative word of God was going to be spoken. But the creative word of God had to be spoken in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be in his presence. So that we can then allow the, the word of God to come in. And for the Holy Spirit to minister to us. And to refresh us. So how much more us who... Um, you know, God breathed into us. Remember when we started the series, we had spoken about how God breathed into us and we became a living soul. So everything that was created, if it needs to be in a healthy place, it has to go back to its source. So our source is the Holy Spirit. God breathed his own spirit into us for us to become living so if we are to thrive and if we are to deal with these everyday issues, we have to go into his presence. And when we go to him, uh, Psalm 3 verse 3 says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. So he lifts up our heads. A person who has a head hanging low is a person who is sad, who is despondent, who, who is, you know, he has the, all those negative emotions. But God is the one who is our shield he shields us, so he covers us. He is our glory, and he lifts up our heads. In other words, he enables us to get out of those, maybe those negative, those, those sad emotional places that we find ourselves in. He lifts up our heads, that even if the circumstances have not changed, but we are able to move with confidence and courage, because we know that our God is there. Even in those dark situations, when we are in his presence, we get reminded of who he is and who we are in him and how precious we are to him. And we know that because we are precious to him, God is not going to leave us alone in those circumstances that we find ourselves in. And secondly, he refreshes us and helps us to feel joy again. Because sometimes we get to those places where we cannot have joy because of the emotions that we've been through, the, the toil and, and all of that. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. So it's not just joy, but it's fullness, abundance of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So many of us cannot find pleasure, not only because of what we had spoken about, the addictions that we have, but also because our hearts, our souls have been pummeled so much by the happenings in the world, such that we lose the ability to feel. But in his presence, at his right hand, are pleasures forevermore. At his right hand, we can find joy. We can find peace. Joy is with him.
And secondly, when we are in His presence, we need to reflect on where we are and identify our emotions. So we need to try and understand what's happening to us. I've had so many times where I'm like, "Mm, I'm feeling weird. I don't know what's happening. What am I feeling? I don't know what this is. But what we need to do is to sit in God's presence and actually allow Him to show us what is happening. You know, and also check your body. Check your body. What is happening in your body? Do you always have a headache? Do you always, are your shoulders always tight? Are you just feeling tired all the time? Are you just dragging yourself from your bed every day? Look for those because those show you that emotionally you're not okay. So you need to to find out all of these things. And many of us don't even know how we feel. We can't even name the emotions that we have. If you were to ask me how many emotions there are, I would have probably said eight, maybe nine or something like that. So I've got an emotion wheel which should come up any moment now. Oh, it's already up there. (laughs) So some people, okay, there's a long history behind this, but the point that we're making here is that we have loads of emotions. And you can find an emotion wheel anywhere. They They are everywhere. So if you don't know what you are feeling, it is often helpful to find something like this. And in that time with God, to actually look at this and to ask yourself, how am I feeling? What is this funny feeling that I'm feeling? You need to identify it so you know what to do with it. Sometimes you say, oh, I don't know, as in J, I'm not okay. Okay, you're not okay, but what do you mean? Okay. And also, I just want to encourage you as well, that if you find that you have emotions and you don't know what to do with them, there are many bloggers, Christian bloggers, who have written a lot about emotions. Some have even written how to pray through the emotion wheel. So they have a prayer for each of those emotions that you see up up there. Lord, I'm feeling stuck. And then they help you at least to find words to pray or words to describe the thing to yourself and you pray through that. So I want to encourage you, find tools like that as well. Look and look for writers we have written. Just, I would say it's, for me, it's better that I find the Christian ones because the other ones just go a little bit left field for me. So just um, find those things. Find out how you're feeling and bring these things to God. You know, there's, there's, another, there's another person that I just want to quickly go through. Um, and this woman is who we call the Shunammite woman. And um, before I go there, briefly, sometimes what you'll see with the emotions that are there is that you may have two emotions that coincide. So there, it helps you to understand the ones that are coinciding and what, what they are. All right. Anyway, so this woman is a, is, a, is a very, I find this woman very interesting. And you find the story in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 to 37. So I just would like you to, when you have time, to just read it. But briefly, this is a, a, an amazing woman, wealthy woman, who sees Elisha, uh, you know, passing through where she lives. And, you know, he, he, she noticed that he goes through that place all the time. So then she decided to, to build a place for him so that he can have a place to rest when he's passing through that place. Okay. So this is what she did. And then Elisha goes to her and says, what can I do for you? Because you've been, you've been so, you know, so gracious. What is it that we can do? And she says, no, I don't need anything. And he persists. Eventually, he finds out she doesn't have children. And then he tells her that she's going to have a child this time next year. And she says, don't play with me. Okay. I didn't ask for anything. Don't play with me. So if this is going to happen, say it, but please don't, don't play, you know, but he says, no, it's going to happen. And yes, she does have the baby and it's all happy. It's all wonderful. So little boy, little man, however old he was, he, one day he goes and he, he goes with dad to the fields and then he has a headache. And then long story short, he dies from the headache. So now she, she takes him, she lays him on the bed that she had made for that, that was there for, for Elisha. And then many people ask her, so what's happening? And she, she says, no, it is well. And she, gets, she asks them to give her a donkey. She goes 
to Elisha. And when people ask her, what is going on? No, it is well. She goes all the way to Elisha. And when she gets to him, uh, let's read um, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 27 to 28. This is now her when she arrives. And when she came to the mountain, to the men of God, she caught hold of his feet and Gehazi came to push her away. That's Elisha's servant. But the men of God said, leave her alone for she is in bitter distress and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Because she did. She said, look, I, I'm not asking for this. I don't want it. But I can just imagine. <laughs> I can imagine doing that. You know, did I ask you for a son? Did I ask you? Didn't I say don't deceive me? Now look, this boy is dead. It's all because of you that I'm going through this. If you didn't, you know, if you didn't prophesy and if you didn't, um, you know, ask God to give me this boy, then he wouldn't have given, to, given the son to me. And now this boy is dead. And then let's read 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 34 to 35. Then um, Elisha went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. I find it interesting. I don't know why we need to know that he sneezed seven times. But yeah, he sneezed seven times. <laughs> and then he opened his eyes. <laughs> and then he opened his eyes. <laughs> but I find this, there's, you know, yeah, okay. He sneezed seven times, the number seven, perfection and all of that. Perfect health. But anyway... I find it interesting that Elisha lay on this boy. He didn't go and just put his hand on him. This laying on the boy reminds me of what the Bible speaks about in Genesis 1 verse 2. How the Holy Spirit hovered on the darkness and the deadness, if there's such a word, and the void. So God did the same thing here. Because remember, the presence of God was carried by prophets in those days. So Elisha lay on the boy and allowed the presence of God to touch this boy. And it says that when he lay on him, he felt his flesh become warm. And we need that warmth. We need, we need that warmth. And this woman ran to God. She knew where she needed to go. And she went and she told him exactly what the problem was. And I just want to, to those of us who are afraid to tell God where we are, what we are feeling, he really is not afraid of us, first of all. <laughs> Secondly, you can say anything to God. He's not going to get offended. Maybe that's, that's blasphemy. I don't know. But you can go to God and you can tell him, and you can speak your heart out to God. That's the best place you can be real. That's the only place where you can be real and somebody really gets you. He will get you even more than you can get yourself. You can scream, you can shout, you can whatever. Just be in his presence and tell him, God, this is how I feel. Or if the emotion wheel doesn't do it for you, you say, God, I don't know how I feel. Tell me how I feel. Fix it, God. But he's not afraid of us. He comes in in his mercy and his grace, and he intervenes in that situation. Intervention might be that he gives you peace. Intervention might be that he replaces that, that, that anger and all of that with something else. Intervention might be that he removes that situation. Intervention might be that it gives you the strength to go another day. And the fourth thing that we need to do is we need to seek professional help. <laughs> Guys, it's, it's reality. We need professional help. Especially some people are, are dealing with complex emotions. 
Sometimes you're dealing with things like clinical depression. This is not just an emotion, but this is deeper. We need to seek professional help. We need to go and find people who can help us. So um, if you're able to go to a therapist, go to a therapist. Go to a counselor, but find someone. Go to a Christian counselor. Don't allow the thing to just carry on. Ooh, my time. You need to do, and you need to seek prayer support. Have people praying for you through this. You can also just say to someone, look, all I need is I just want you to pray for me. I don't want you to say anything because sometimes we talk too much. I don't want you to say anything. I just want you to pray for me. And it would be better if you just pray in tongues because I don't want to hear what you're saying. I just want you to pray and I know that you're connecting with God for me. Let's be real. Let's create those relationships where we can be honest and real with each other. And um, I'm, I'm just going to ask that we, we take the communion later on. So can I ask the ashes to please just pass, pass it around? And, um, right. And, you know, as a, globally, we've gone through a really tough time. And um, we've had COVID. We've had lockdowns due to COVID. We've had all sorts of things that came out of this COVID can, you know. We've been questioning all sorts of, there's been, you know, a feeling of betrayal by some. How can my government do this? How can these people that we trust do that? And, you know, so there's been all of that. But people have lost jobs. They've lost loved ones. Um, you know, every single one of us has been touched by this thing. Businesses have folded. Relationships have broken because of this thing. And this is a global phenomenon. Not only has that happened, but in KZN in particular, we've had a extra stuff that has happened to us as a province. We've had riots. Riots, we've had looting. Yes, these things happen elsewhere, but it's just been so, so much greater in, in, in KZN where we've had looting and as if that was not enough, then we had the floods. We had floods, not once, but twice. But thank God that um, he intervened, you know, because it could have been worse. But what I'm saying is that we've gone through a lot. And I just want to show you something that I, that perhaps you've, you've seen it. Um, just go back to the a quote that I, something that someone has been spreading around. Quasilience. <laughs> Quasilience. It applies to those who dwell in KZN, South Africa. It's almost a numbing, a coping skill we have developed due to COVID, lockdowns, rioting, looting, and flooding of excessive proportions. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Uh, so, quasilience. A lot of us have this coping skill called quasilience. <laughs> because, you know, we've been through all of that. And, you know, we, we look at it and we're like, oh, it's a, it's a joke. But the point is that many of us are numb. Many of us are so numb because it's just been one thing after another, after another, after another. It's just, just been this thing. And you know, sometimes you feel, feel, feel up to a point where you create a coping mechanism because it's just too much for you. You just block it all. And when the next thing comes, you're like, oh, okay. And the next thing comes, oh, okay, whatever. Oh, shame. Oh, there's a child who's been stolen. Okay. Oh, goodness. There's an accident. Oh, okay. Ah, oh, really? Oh, wow. Oh, sometimes. <laughs> because of how it happened. So we have become numb. And I just want to let us know that coping mechanisms 
have two sides to them. The one side is that I protect myself so that I don't feel the pain anymore. But the other side of it is that it blocks off everything else. So there's nothing in me that says, okay, I'm blocking off the pain, but I'm not going to block off the joy. I'm not going to block the empathy. So it covers everything. So when that wall is up, it's up. And we have not been created by God to be unfeeling and I'm sympathetic. Can I ask you a question? What happens to you when you get to, the, to a set of traffic lights? Who do you see there? Who do you see there? Who's there? At various intersections. Hmm. Homeless people. What does your head say? What does your heart say when you see them? Nothing. It's like looking at a plant. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, oh, he's here again. Oh, it's a different one today. That's what happens when I get to the traffic, to, 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 to intersections. I have come to a place where I don't feel anything. But I remember a time when there's, a, there's an intersection close to where I live. The first time I saw that man there, tears came to my heart, well, to my eyes. I suppose they came to my heart too. But tears came to my eyes. My heart grieved for this man because I knew that there's a set of circumstances that had happened to cause him to be there. Maybe it's his choices, whatever. Could be anything. But the point is, I felt. I was grieved. And I know it was God who was touching me. But now, nothing. I remember how we would drive home with my kids and they would open their lunch boxes because they had leftover bread. And I made sure that we give the bread to the man. But now I have a child who doesn't eat his food every day. But I don't even think about it until this moment, actually. I don't even think about giving this man this delicious bread so that at least he can have a meal in his stomach. So that's what happens to us when we go through that. We begin to not see. It blinds us. We begin to not have what God wants us to have, which is empathy for other people, kindness, mercy, grace towards the person who swears at you because you, you know, whatever, from their car. You're like, I swear, this guy, what's wrong? React in the same way. So all I'm saying is this, it's that God wants us to tend to our internal world. He wants us to tend to our emotions, to come to him and to deal with these things. Because if we do not do that, then it becomes difficult for us to become the salt and the light. We need to get healing. We need to get past the things that are harming us, that have hurt us. God wants to heal us because he loves us. But he wants to heal us for our sakes, but also for the sakes of other people. So that we are not like Jonah who puts other people in, in danger. But we become like Jonah who went and who preached the gospel to a whole city. And the city was saved, 130 odd thousand people. If we, if we are not healed, then we won't be able follow the purpose that God has given to us to be the salt and the light as we've said. So I'm just going to ask us to please stand. We're going to take communion.
And um, yeah, so as we take communion, I would like us to let's take the, the wafer, otherwise called the bread. Okay. And um, Jesus' body was broken for us. He was broken so that we would be made whole in every part of us. Our internal worlds matter to God. And this is why he died for us. Something that I find interesting is that Jesus, when he was greatly distressed, it was because he was going to carry our burdens, our sin, our brokenness, our hurts. So I would like us to break the bread as a symbol, a reminder that his body was broken for us so that we would be made whole. Not just our bodies healed, but thank God that he heals our bodies, but he heals us internally as well. So he was broken so that we would be made whole as we partake. Thank you, Lord, that you gave your very own body to be brutalized so that we would be made whole. We thank you that you were broken, that we would be healed of every ailment. And Lord, we thank you that you are our healer, that you restore us. And I thank you also for the blood of Jesus, your blood that was poured forth, God, for us to be cleansed and to be made whole. And family, I remember how when Jesus went and he was praying in Gethsemane, when he was praying there, he was in so much distress that he sweated blood. Jesus understands what it's like to be in a dark place. He understands what it's like to suffer emotionally as well as physically. So as we take of this cup, let's remember that we have a Savior who understands, who gets us, and who is willing to walk with us through those dark valleys, as well as those beautiful places where we are dancing and rejoicing. So let's take the cup. Thank you for your blood, Lord, that was poured forth for us this blood that cleanses us, this blood that renews us, this blood that has brought us into a covenant with our Father. So we thank you. Thank you so much, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.